Welcome back. We watched Dead and Gone. Wrong. <laughs> what did we watch? Dead and Buried. Dead and Buried. Mulligan. All right. One, two, three, go. Welcome to the Let's Scare My Girlfriend to Death podcast. I'm your co-host, Josh. And I'm your co-host, the girlfriend, Cindy. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of your favorite movie podcast, a uh, veteran viewer and a virgin viewer watch all things horror and scary, and uh, I die a little. Uh, <laughs> That's right. It's let's scare my girlfriend to death. That's right. Welcome. The voice you hear is Josh, and I'm Cindy. We're starting a new month, which means we get a new theme for yeah. our movies. I'm gonna leave it to you guys to piece it together because it's Halloween month. Right. This Halloween is, this is the month, month we thrive. So, uh, welcome to the Dead and Buried edition. Of Some the of my favorite episodes uh, come from uh, our October months, our different take on scary movies for Halloween. Yeah, this okay. one is going to be a crazy flashback because it's got connections to past episodes. Okay, so it's Dead and Buried. Dead and Buried. Dead and Gone. Um, keep saying that. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, so Dead and Buried was released... October 9th, 1981. 1981, folks. Mm-hmm. Where were you? What were you doing? I you weren't alive yet. I yet. Uh, October 81, I was almost two. There I you was go. Uh, like 22 months or something like that. Almost two. Which means I probably had the chicken pox, because that's about when I had the chicken pox. You had the chicken pox when this movie came out? I had, this, I had chicken pox very young, because I had an older sister. And so they're like, I'll just give them birth there. It's fine. What? I think I think you're rubbing your face on the microphone. Oh. Because every once in a while I hear... Sorry. It's okay. I'm talking real close. I'm making out with this microphone over here. I'm Shadow Stevens. <laughs> I'm jazz making um, it up. Yeah, so Dead and Buried is rated R. It is one hour and 34 minutes Let's talk about 1981. 1981. I don't remember much. Uh, uh, I'm not even uh, sure about it, whether or not I had yeah. the chicken pox. I'll just throw out a couple things for you real fast. So that's the year that Reagan was sworn into office. Okay. Which meant the Iran hostage crisis came to an end. Yep. Uh, it was also the year that Reagan was shot. Yep. And the, the first DeLorean rolled off. Uh, they oh, said Johnny Carson and Sammy Davis Jr. are a part of that. And nonsense. Donkey Kong was released. Hey, yo, we were talking about uh, Donkey Kong and the origin of Mario just last night. We sure were. We have uh, fun you, conversations. This every movie year. has a lot. It's going to tie into a lot of <laughs> things we've, especially past podcast episodes. Okay. Uh, people that were born in 1981, Alicia Keys, Elijah Wood, Chris Evans, Beyonce, and Serena Williams. Woo! People that we lost that year, Bob Marley, mm. Melvin Douglas, William Holden, and Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. Yep. Um, Christopher Walken. He gets mad. As I said, this movie is a trim trim one hour and 34 minutes. Yes. There's a reason for that. It's supposed to be longer. But producers can be dicks. That is correct. If there's one thing we've learned uh, through the course of learning about the stories behind many of these movies, it's that producers and distributors can be dicks. True story. Yes. Uh, So this movie was directed by Gary Sherman. Gary Sherman? Gary Sherman, who directed Poltergeist 3, Vice Squad, and Deathline. 
Oh, we watched that. That's where we get our Mind the Doors. I know. That's from our season one throwback. All the way back to like episode three. Yes. (laughs) Cool. Okay. I'm liking these connections. And I believe all the way back in season three, uh, I said, he directed uh, Dead and Buried and we'll eventually watch that for the podcast. And it's finally come up. So here we are. Yay. So the screenplay itself was written by Ron Chusette. Uh, who wrote, well, co-wrote Alien, the OG Alien oh, okay. film in 79, and uh, wrote and produced Total Recall with Arnold. Arnold. Now, uh, we're going to talk more about this in a minute, but Dan O'Bannon. We know that name. How yeah. do I know that name? Uh, so he got a co-screenplay credit. He co-wrote Alien. Uh, he wrote Dark Star and started in alongside John Carpenter, who directed he was the writer and director of Return of the Living Dead, and he directed The Resurrected. Okay. Remember okay. The Resurrected with uh, yes. Chris Sarandon? Yep. Yep. I do now, indeed. That movie was gross. Here's the thing. At the time, like, Ron Chusette and Denno Bannon were besties. Right. And Uh-oh. Ron Chusette had basically... I don't like these, these past-tense verbs. Well, I'm saying t- past-tense because Dan O'Bannon has since passed. Okay. Like they, I thought there was going to be a massive to my knowledge, out. To my knowledge, yeah. To my knowledge, I never had a falling out. But okay. basically, when Dan O'Bannon left to go work on uh, Dune with Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yes. And when he came back, he was homeless, essentially. Oh. Because his stuff was in storage and he had gotten rid of his apartment to move to France. And okay. that had fallen through. Yep. So he ended up living on... This very sure thing that definitely should have... It would have been yeah. so easy to... <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Could have got, watch the documentary. That movie would have been incredible. Yes. So, Continue. Um, he ended up living on Ron Chusette's couch. And he, they basically worked out Alien together. Nice. They became really good friends. So in the beginning, Chusette was kind of the slightly bigger name. But then O'Bannon became, Synonymous in a lot of with. ways, a, maybe a bigger name or a bigger name. Okay. So when Chusette turned in the draft for Dead and Buried, he basically, along with the studio, had Dan O'Bannon go over it. And he said, like, you should try these things. Like, X, Y, and Z, maybe do this with the plot. And okay, like, like punch-ups. And they gave him a credit and then gave him money, to my knowledge. And then they ended up not using any of it, but he still got the credit. And then Dan O'Bannon felt awful because he was like... Well, no, if you didn't use anything, like, don't take any of Ron's credit from him. And they yeah. were like, it's locked. <laughs> like, oh. So they were kind of a good yeah. guy in Hollywood. They you were, never hear they those were really good friends. So I've never heard either of them say an untoward word about each other. I'm sure someone somewhere is like, they fucking hated each other. But to my knowledge, they didn't. And they were really good friends. Yay. So glad to hear about that. Yeah. Um, there is a story by credit, and it went to Jeff Miller and Alex Stern. Um, that's really kind of all they have is that story by credit. And it's based on a they, novel. They didn't do anything before or since. No, it's based on a novel by Chelsea Quinn, um, Marlboro. Oh. Yeah. Chelsea Quinn. You took a breath there. I thought you were going to. Yeah. Okay. I had to read my handwriting. It's Yarborough. That's the, also the only credit I could find for her is the story by credit or the novel So what I'm hearing is credit. this movie broke people. Yeah. Right. Um, and I want to give a shout out to a makeup effects person that worked on this movie. Ooh, yay. So this movie had a lot of makeup effects by Stan Winston. Stan, Stan Winston. Stan Winston, okay. Yeah, did makeup effects on a ton of movies like Terminator 2, Batman Returns. He created the look of the Terminator. 
Albemarle. He created the look of the Predator. Okay. Uh, he oversaw the monsters in Monster Squad. He's, he's been through it. Yeah. He created all the animatronic dinosaurs used in the first Jurassic Park. Wow. Because everyone thinks it was just CG. It was a combination of, like, they built dinosaurs. Yeah. And oh, yeah. And they used CG to augment, and then some scenes. That's why they hold up. Because <laughs> it's not just CG. For sure. Um, and then he Practical. directed two movies. Only two. And they're... Very, very, very far apart in quality. <laughs> uh oh. Now, which one are we watching here? Uh, neither of them. Okay. Sorry. Um, so he directed Pumpkinhead. We love that movie. Right. Like timeless classic. Timeless. About a revenge Re- demon in Appalachia killing kids who killed um, Lance Hendrickson's son. Yeah. They deserved it. And Next. he also directed a gnome named Gnorm. Huh. Those were his two directing credits. What an interesting choice. Now, he always wanted to be a director, and he got to do it twice, but he's, he did effects forever until huh. he died. So he is no longer with us. But pop culture is vastly had its imprint laid by Stan Winston and his studio. Like, although the, a lot of the guys that worked at his studio went on after he died and even before then to like start other studios and do other things. Cool. And, like Stan Winston, giant of the effects industry. Cool. So there you go. And, and had his hand in this movie as well. Uh, yeah. So let's talk about who's in this motherfucker, please. <laughs> so, uh, this movie stars James Farentino. Do you know who that is? I don't think so. Yeah. He's Sheriff Dan Gillis. He was in Bulletproof. Remember that movie with Adam Sandler? No. And Keenan Ivory. I think it was Keenan Ivory wins. I don't think so. It's like the last Adam Sandler movie before I think it was Billy Madison blew him up. Where he he was like a con or something like that. Hmm. Uh, Oh, well, go ahead. He was in the final countdown. He did a lot of songs. Okay, maybe I look familiar. Yeah. And then his wife is played by Melody Anderson. She was in Flash Gordon and Firewalker. The, uh... The insane 80s movie. Oh, okay. Um, but Not Firestarter, Firewalker. Yeah, Firewalker. Um, Firewalker was a... That answered the age-old question of, what if there was an Indiana Jones movie that starred um, Chuck Norris? Ugh. And it was finally answered. <laughs> and it was answered in Firewalker. Yes. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> thank God. Right. And thank God for that. The reason we're watching this motherfucking movie, acting-wise... <laughs> Uh, Jack Albertson plays William G. Dobbs. Okay. Jack Albertson ties into last week's episode. How? He was Grandpa Joe in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. <laughs> this is his last movie. Oh, that makes me sad. He, um, Although I thought Willy Wonka was probably his last movie. No. So in a way, I was happy and then I was let down. Yeah. Um, this is his last movie. He, I'm just going to give you a heads up because this is going to make you really sad and... Was he an alcoholic and an awful person? No. He, by all accounts, he was a very nice man. He had cancer so bad Aww. that when he was making this movie, he would often just fall asleep on set. Like in the oh, middle bless. of takes and stuff. But he was trying to, like, I guess, get a nest egg together to leave something to his family. Oh, God. A little bit extra. And he, he just wanted to work. He wanted to work. So. That makes me um, so sad. Okay. I, that's a thing that goes back to James Farentino, where James Farentino's father had died of cancer. Yeah. So he was having to act opposite a guy who he was watching go through the same thing his dad did. 
and wow. it was apparently very hard on him. Uh, like not he, as hard as it was on Grandpa Joe, yeah, but okay. He was said he would be acting, and then uh, Albertson would just kind of drift off to sleep, and then he would just sometimes start crying because he's like he's not going to be around much longer because this is the way exact to, trajectory that my dad took. Well, way to make it all about you, but okay. So poor Grandpa Joe. Um. So there you go. I will say that there are two future horror stars in this movie that you keep an eye out for because they they're mixed in amongst the town folks who so lisa blunt plays a character uh or blount blunt uh she plays a character named lisa she was an officer and a gentleman and okay. she was the female lead of prince of darkness okay i've seen officer and a gentleman you've seen prince of darkness we did it a oh yeah ago. oh yeah okay so we'll see but how old is she in this She's pretty young younger Okay. But you definitely, she looks very similar. Okay. Uh, and then the last person mixed in amongst the town folks in a very small part, and it's weird now to see him in such a small part, is Robert England. Ooh, um, cool. So Freddy Krueger himself is one of the townspeople. Nice. It's so fucking That's weird. weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Um, I will tell you. That? Uh, I'll throw a couple bits of trivia at you before we sail off to watch it. Okay. Um... So, Albertson, we mentioned he had cancer. He died a couple months after this. Oh, yeah. He did manage to go to the Hollywood premiere, and he attended in a wheelchair with an oxygen tank. But he was there. Okay, that's so sad. Continue. And then I had mentioned the Dana Bannon thing. So, in a 1983 interview with Starburst, which was a... um, The candy company? I believe it was a British sci-fi magazine. I know it was a sci-fi magazine, but I think it was British. Okay. Um, he just, Dan O'Bannon disowned the movie, claiming that Ronald, she said, had actually written it by himself, but needed O'Bannon's name on the project, promising he would implement some of O'Bannon's changes. Upon seeing the finished film, O'Bannon realized that she said had included his material, but it was too late for him to take his name off the credits. Well, did he get money for it? Uh, I believe he did, but I think he ended up giving it all back to Ron, she oh. said. So, because Ron, she said, basically just needed his name because they were the co-creators of Alien. Yeah. All right. Gotcha. Um, and you're going to notice this, because this is a thing you notice. So I'm going to go ahead and get this out of the way now. Uh-oh. So due to child labor laws... There it is. The filmmakers could not get permission to use the boys who played uh, Jamie, the, their son, at night, right? Okay. So the kid's entire part took place at night. Like, every scene is at night, but they couldn't shoot anything at night. <laughs> so they had to they had to build a huge tent and that it covered all... the family car and <laughs> the house and everything and shoot... Nighttime underneath it in the middle of the day to properly ventilate the inside of the tent so they could breathe. They had to set up fans, but the fans were so loud that they could not record live sound. Um, so it's all dubbed. It's all. Uh, yeah, so all the scenes that have the kid in them at nighttime are yeah. dubbed by the actors and actresses in post production. Yeah. This is why sometimes they do not match up. Uh, okay. It, things happen. Yep. I'm glad that they um, uh, followed child labor laws rather than just doing whatever they want and then getting a helicopter involved. And killing them all yeah. on a Twilight Zone movie? Yep, 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 yep. Let me show you the poster for this thing. All right, guys, this is the part of the podcast where Josh shows me an original poster of the film and I try to tell you what it's going to be about. I am, uh, I don't know, I get, some, I get it right sometimes. Best okay, Dead and Buried. It looks like... Is that like the ocean? Is that, an, is that an ocean? It's a face coming out of dry ground with the sun and the moon behind it. And it says, 
It will take your breath away. All of it. Oh, I see it now. Sorry, I was looking at it. I was looking at the negative space. All right, I guess it's about Earth coming to life and being like, I guess I'm covered in fleas. I got to get rid of them. The fleas are humans. That's what I said. I was wondering where you are going with that for a second. The fleas are humans and they must be gotten rid of. Yeah, so I believe this is on Prime for free. Okay. So, That's how we'll be watching it. Uh, I have a Blu-ray. There it is. Yeah. Uh, this just recently got Blue Underground did a 4K release of this. <laughs> nice. So if you want to watch this in 4K, you can. Yeah, come on over, Josh Laybar. I don't have it on 4K because I like this movie a whole lot. But I not do. enough for. But the 4K is like fifty dollars. Ooh. I don't have that much love for Dead and Buried. It's good for just a Blu-ray. Now if it got if it goes down in price, we'll eh, see. We'll see. All right. But mm. join us, won't you? Mind the doors. Gary Sherman. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. Maybe you've been there. Clean, picturesque, full of old-fashioned friendliness. The kind of town everyone likes to visit. This is the road to Potter's Bluff. There is no road out. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. From the creators of Alien, Terror, brought down to Earth, dead and buried. Is there any way whatsoever to reanimate people after they have died? To get them to walk around? That guy, the one you, you came to see me about last week, what the died after the car wreck. Yeah. I just saw him. Man, he's dead. It's the same guy. Welcome to Potter's Bluff. When you die, you expect to remain dead and buried. I had a very close call. Just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. When you die in Potter's Bluff, expect the unexpected. From the creators of Alien. Dead and buried. It will take your breath away. All of it. Dead and buried. Hey guys, welcome back. We watched Dead and Buried. What did you watch? Hopefully you watched along with us, because we're about to give you uh, some spoilers. This was a pretty darn good movie. It was very interesting. And it was <laughs> it was a genuine side of Grandpa Joe I did not know about. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was... It was good. I mean, I kind of guessed the twist at the end. But, okay, let's start. Let's go back. Okay. This is a movie about a small town sheriff trying to solve a series of horrific murders with the help of a local old-timey mortician who considers himself an artist. Creepily so. Creepily so. 
That's not too bad. That's a pretty good one sentence synopsis. Yeah. I like that um, one. Well, you might as well tell them the ending. <laughs> so it turns out that everybody in the town is, uh, they're zombies. They're reanimated people. Um, like, he's been using black magic and like what he know you know, his work as a mortician, um, plus a little bit of witchcraft. And he has this little perfect town that he's created. He found like an abandoned town and just filled it with dead people. And the, I guess the trick is that it, they'll, what is, I don't remember the rules, but they have to die violently. Right. And they order for them to be able to be brought back. I think is what they mentioned. Right. And they have to die violently in order to to be brought back. And he has to remake them. He remakes them, so they have to have their picture taken before they're killed. So that's kind of a, a part of this that makes it even more creepy. And they have to, he has to hide their heart from them. There was something about that. They have to have their heart hidden from them or, or, or yeah. something like he that. He basically just bury, buries the hearts. Yeah. Or, or conceivably, like... We're guessing because we do dig up one of the graves, and we didn't. But one of the d- graves is dug up in there. The heart is in there. George Lemoyne, itinerant. Itinerant. <laughs> um, IMDb has this as a suspense horror film set in a small coastal town where after a series of gory murders committed oh, wow. by mobs of townspeople against visiting tourists, the corpses begin to come back to life. What? Um, I just want to get this out of the way now okay. before we start talking about this movie. This is the case of a okay movie made great by a great ending. Yes. Because this movie is an hour and a half and it doesn't all work. And we're going to talk about why it doesn't all work in a minute. Like there was a lot of tinkering yeah. outside of Gary Sherman's control on you this movie. See that. But the ending is so good that you forgive some of the hiccups. Right? You're like, yes. you walk away and you're like, damn, that movie was good. Because the ending is so strong. Like It's a good movie. It ends on a solidly good twist. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, like a gut punch. Even if you kind of see it coming. You kind of like, see it coming, oh, but it no. happens very quickly. Oh, no. Like the whole thing goes so fast that it's like, okay, I see what's coming. There it is. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, it, it was it was quick. Uh, I, I, I'm going to have one quibble here. Okay. The ending. Uh, that otherwise, it's perfect. I don't understand why they go from... I think this might be editing. It might be a thing that I'm, I'm going to read to you in a minute. It might fall into that. But the idea of they're at the mortuary, yeah. and he shoots his wife. And then she's like, oh, I'm dead. Bury me. And she leaves. And then he shoots <laughs> Grandpa Jeff. Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka. And then he leaves and buries her, and then he sees all the townspeople, and then he comes back. Mm-hmm. Why does he go back? To Dobbs is the character. Yeah, but I know, like, why? And then that's when the twist happens, where we find out that the sheriff's been dead. The whole presumably time. Presumably the whole time. Um, and he's part yes. of the town, even though, you know, and then his hands are all fucked up. And... Well, because so that's one of the other rules, is that um, they only remember what... Dobbs, the mortician, Grandpa Joe, uh, lets them remember. Like, I'm not quite yes. sure how that works. And this is a super good movie if you don't. If you logic don't care about the rules. If you don't logic it out. It, like, yeah. presumably it, he has fucked his wife 
since she murdered him, spoiler alert, right. that's, that's how he died, she killed him, um, you think she'd be cold to the touch? But if he's cold to the touch as well, he wouldn't register it. Maybe, but... Not maybe, for but, sure. But, but here's the thing, here's the thing, here's the thing, though. Mm. Like, yes, I'll give you that. Thank but you. But he is, in that clip where he gets murdered, he's fucking her and she's clearly already a zombie. Well, maybe he's drunk. And how long was she a zombie? Because yeah. Dobbs is like, I found her in the creek. And, but, and but also, how long has she, like... the ten- Okay, so the... We see the external shot of the house that he that they share together, and then the external shot from the video. It's all run down and kind of abandoned and old. So I think we're to believe that it's been a minute. Every and then like they they yeah. keep everything in this movie is run down. Yeah, it, it it's all like just kind of spit polished back. Do you know what I mean? Like she, uh, his what's her name? His wife Linda? No. No. What's it? Well, anyway, she's like polishing the silver and helping with the PTA. Janet. Janet. And it's all very like perfect. But everything is like the external shots. It's a perfectly fine town, but it's just a little run down, you know? And so as you see the old videos and the old movies of you see that it was an abandoned town. And he just has kind of taken it over with with zombies, as you do. He's only been there since, like, the 70s or... Uh, no, I think it was the... Because they say in, like, the set, like the mid-early 70s, he left Rhode Island for messing with corpses. And they, the, they no-billed him. The grand jury no-billed him. But I... he basically, like... Yeah. They ran him out of the state. And they ended up in Maine. And what year was this supposed to take place? The, I assume the 80s? The so 70s I mean, it's been 20-some years. No, like, like the early 70s to like the late 70s. No. That's what they... I mean, that's the thing. Like, this movie is really good and truly really fun, but like, it, the logic falls apart when you yeah. stop really dig into it. Especially if they had an editor and like they make a point of saying the dates. Like, if they hadn't said the dates of Dobbs... I forgot that he did a back. Yeah, he, he background gave check when on he him. when he did the um, the telex. <laughs> right, they get yeah. it back from Rhode Island, and it's like the whole background of Dobbs and how he was a medical examiner, and he was like tinkering with some bodies mm-hmm. in Providence, which is that's a Lovecraft connection. And then oh, that's right. To, that all yeah. He had to leave, and then he ended up in Maine. So it does it like it's this weird like he found a town that was dying, like the town represents. The town is almost dead and carrying on full of dead people. Who I are just carrying assumed on. it was an abandoned town. Like I, in New Jersey, there are a lot of random abandoned towns. Oh shit! We live in West Virginia. That's all that's here. There. Oh my god! But I think it's low key. The town is one of the people. It's one of the characters. Yeah. It's, like I said, but you it's don't dead realize and it's also that until shambling along still as a zombie. So at the end, spoiler alert, um, at the end, all the things that are all revealed, it's all revealed very quickly that, oh, you should have been paying attention to the scenery. Oh, that's his wife. Oh, that's probably him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It all kind of happens real fast. Yeah. And it's very interesting because it's not just, oh, one twist. It's one twist 
and then followed by is it another followed by oh i should have been looking at this the whole fucking time like oh it's almost like a red herring but not quite so there are in terms of zombies there are two schools of zombies we talked about this with the george romero there's the romero zombies and then there's like the voodoo zombies right which were Older than the Romero, and zombies. I think these are this a third falls category. Into that. I, think, I think this falls into a third category. Okay, I'm interested. The <laughs> death becomes her zombie, and these are humans that are painted to look like themselves. I could see that. I think there's of them, a, there is a bit of a genre. Of it's that. black magic. He definitely uses black magic. Mm-hmm. The so dark arts. To me, it feels like the voodoo, the voodoo zombie. Of it? Always, it has mm-hmm. a like a a similar feel to like. I walked with a zombie if they, like, figured it out. Uh, yeah, I see what you would say that. Like yeah, If, if they figured out how to make the zombie still move around and talk and function. This like is what they the would look like. it's the next logical step. And, like, oh, we solved that problem. Now they're just, they're dead, but we can carry on and keep them forever. Yeah. So. Okay, so maybe it's a, subset, a sub-genre. Like, she's got the, the snake-like dagger. Mm-hmm. She's got the book on voodoo and witchcraft and... You know, because they're trying to really throw hard. The witchcraft. Well, that, but they're trying to throw, like, it's Janet. It's his wife. It's his wife. Because they don't want you looking at Dobbs. Because they're like, you're watching this movie, like, Dobbs is a fucking weirdo. He's a weird, but he's like a, almost like a curmudgeon weirdo. You know, where you're like, oh, he's a fucking weirdo. Oh, he's just an old dude. Yeah. What? Yeah, he sure is. (laughs) Um, This does fit. Oh, go ahead. There's that, right? So mm-hmm. there's, the, there's the zombie thing. And I will say this movie plays into a very specific horror trope that always gets me. What's that? Um, I have a weird fear of, and I think it's why zombie movies for a long time creeped me out, especially like Italian zombie movies. <laughs> the idea of like, oh, the majority's just going to come murder you now. Oh, like right? the whole town. Like the whole the town, town turns against, against you. you. Which is a very specific fear that has not been great during yeah. a pandemic when half the country <laughs> is actually against is each totally other. totally against how I yeah. think and believe and feel. So there's this weird thing of like, oh, watching like movies like this, um, you know, prime example is I call it the Salem's Lot effect because <laughs> okay. that that book scared the ever living shit out of me when I was a kid, right? The idea of like. In Salem's Lot, there's a vampire. He comes to town. He starts turning all the townspeople. By the end of the book, the whole town's fucking vampires. Except for, like, one person. Except for, like, a couple people. So you've got a town that is totally turned into monsters against you. And then they're, like, the majority. Yeah. So now they're in power. And they're what's normal, quote, in that town. And then they're coming after you because you're now the abnormal thing. Is this a low-key speak on racism and what it feels like to be a person of color in America? I Maybe, if I would say maybe. I would say unintentionally, were, but that's how I'm looking at it right now. If there were any people of color in this movie. No, but the idea, like, the idea of like the town coming after you. Yeah. That you're just going about your day and next thing you know, the whole town are vampires or zombies yeah, or I, I would say if, you're the wrong one if we're reaching for a theme to this theme like that for this movie i think it'd be more like the power of gossip right and how things spread and change and turn people against each other because how many 
like he goes to the hotel mm-hmm. and he's trying to figure out the name of the photographer and then the 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 guy who owns the hotel who has the most insane voice ever and is he a zombie he turns into one later later off but camera. not at first that's but right like, that's right he goes up to his room and his voice is insane like, he has like a main accent but it's then sometimes even, it's British it's kind of but he's like oh for Christ's sakes ask your wife and I'm yeah, like what like is this just accent? don't try buddy but let it go yeah so they the thing is like oh your wife was up here with a man and, and then she then, has to explain it away yeah. and then they kind of keep pointing at the fact that she's having an affair a couple times like he runs into the second worst voice in the movie the principal <laughs> right who's like it's i didn't know that one photography equipment and i would know i'm the principal i love <laughs> that one was very uh you could tell it was adr it was I, so bad i love movies where people uh tell you what their job is during their dialogue <laughs> Yeah, um, part like, of their exposition. Yeah, right. Like, in case you forgot, I'm the principal. I am the principal. That's what I would do. All the, the purchases go through me. I'm the principal. Also, no, they don't. Um, right. Well, in that town, and I believe what James Ferentino calls a town the size of a postage stamp. Fair. And which yes, I, I enjoy does. that description. So, it, yeah, it's... I think there's something with that. But it's just the idea of, like... The minority becomes the majority, and then you're out, right? Mm-hmm. It's like we talked about when we watched um, In the Mouth of Madness. If the insane people outnumber the sane people, then they're what's considered sane. Yep. <laughs> because they're the majority, and they're the norm, and that's fucking and they make terrifying to me. Yeah. Oh. So, <laughs> um, let me. I found this, and I wanted to read it to you because okay. I found a. An interview. I'm not going to read you all thing. I'm just going to read you Thank one you. of the questions. Um, there was a website that was taught interview Gary Sherman. Gary Sherman, by the way, and that's the director. Yeah. Okay, and he also and directed Deathline. Yes. Spoiler alert: He fucking hates Sam Markov. Oh, okay. Uh, like a lot. So should, I guess we should not archive this. Sam Markov um, reportedly fucked up Deathline when it got bought by AAP and brought over. To America and changed into raw meat. Yeah, I didn't so, understand that title, but go ahead. Uh, the the reviewer asks, so how did Dead and Buried come to be? Because I know there was some meddling on that movie as well as the producers disagreed with your choice of tone initially. Ugh. And Gary Sherman said it wasn't the producers, but rather the production company, the executive producer level. Ron Shusset and I had very similar ideas as to what Dead and Buried should be. He brought the story to me, and the script was almost done, so we sat down and polished the screenplay to a final draft. One of the reasons Ron brought it to me was because he loved Deathline, particularly the comedic aspects of Deathline. <laughs> he really wanted to stay in the seri- uh, in the comic mode right? Keep that uh, to do Dead and Buried, because it was originally written as a black comedy. When we get into the script, see that. we made an even darker comedy, but the comedy shined through, which is why we cast Jack Albertson to play a kooky, murderous mortician. Right. Playing the comedy well. against the horror was a big element of what attracted us both to the project. Knowing um, that changes things. Yeah. So he says, you know, there were a lot of other super levels that I'm buried, and Richard St. John, the producer of The Final Countdown, was running the Guinness Beer Company. And they originally put the money down to make this movie. The Guinness, Guinness Beer. beer Aww. Right? He uh, understood exactly what we wanted to do, and his group was running the production for pre-production up until we started shooting. Then they pulled out because they were a beer company who decided they didn't want to be in the film business. Fair. So they sold the production to Aspen Productions. 
which was run by John Hyde. John and his people understood the project because they wanted to keep the budget down. Mm-hmm. So we got pushed back on terms of financing, but we were still shooting the same script. So uh, when the film was finished shooting, we were in post-production, they got bought by PSO, which was run by a guy named Mark Whoa, okay. We got a lot of... So right. we're now we our third production here. company, yeah. PSO. We need a flow um, chart. I, I just it. finished my director's cut, and we had a screening of it. Mark Damon comes up to me after the screening, right after Bob Remy the, uh, from Avco, which is another company, is telling me how much <laughs> he loved company. the movie, right? Um, who would actually give him his next movie after this because he felt so bad for how he was treated when dead and buried. Um, so Mark Damon says to me, quote, okay, well, if I wanted Ingmar Bergman to make a horror film for me, I would have hired Bergman. So now let's make this into a horror movie. Uh, that led to an entire series of fights between the studio and the production company and my agents. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they advised him to just walk away from the movie, which he did. He went and made Vice Squad totally. Vice Squad is fucking incredible and may actually be his best movie. But he had total control and he said he put his body and soul into making Deathline and then along comes Samuel Ziarkov who fucks it up. His quotes, who fucks it up. Uh, eight years later, I finally got it together to make another feature, and Mark Damon comes along and pulls a Sam Arkoff on me and fucks it up again, basically. Okay. So, so there's some there's some anger there, for yeah. sure. And rightfully so. So we, I guess we shouldn't Arkoff it, but, I mean, it's whatever. I, I think we can. I feel like it to be because it's very, it's very right. spiteful. Uh, because we like this movie, and we love Gary Sherman, Despite shithead producers who constantly tried to fuck him up. So uh, the aforementioned Samuel Ziarkov's formula for a movie was based on his name. A-R-K-O-F-F. Action. Yep. Right away. We have a a good old-fashioned gore fest right at the jump. Revolutionary. (laughs) And boobies. We'll get to that. Yeah. That will. Hey, stop. Don't jump ahead. We're not there yet. (laughs) We're not at fornication. Um, Right off the jump, there is a violent death. Uh, which takes us to killing, oratory, thoughts, oratory? No. <laughs> no. I, I was mean, trying to remember if there's like something silly, but I don't. I, I love everything Jack Albertson says, but I think <laughs> so it's goofy. less the script and more Jack Albertson. Mm-hmm. His delivery know? of it and things like that. His kooky nature. I'm never going to listen to old 1920s and 30s music the same. That was one of the things they wanted to cut all of that music. Oh, I'm glad they didn't. Um, Second pull up of like journey. And then fantasy and fornication. Definitely fantasy. Definitely. And then in fornication, there's fornication before there's killing. Lisa Blount. She just whoop. Titties out. And the wise words of Joe Bob Briggs. She's so hot that in an officer and a gentleman... She made a guy kill himself. He has to kill himself because he can't be with her. That's how hot she is. That's how hot. Um, so, George Lemoyne in the hospital bed, when he's all wrapped in bandages... Talk about the fucking best scene of this movie, I think. When he gets the needle in the eye. <laughs> that was a puppet. He kept rewinding. That was a puppet. And he spent so a lot of gross. like he spent a lot of time. Stan Winston spent a lot of time watch it again. building that eye to look very real. And it sure did. Yeah, sure did. Oh. Um, the lifelike detail and elaborate movements. The dummy was rigged to give the appearance that it's a real person, which made people super freaked out at the eyeball scene. Yes. Um, 
Such as me. Yeah. Also, Gary Sherman purposefully avoided letting the color red be visible in any scene. So that when the blood shows up, it's... It's extra. It pops. Okay, yeah. yeah. It did. Um, oh. <laughs> I will say that his... I'm Gary just... Sherman doesn't get enough credit for being a perfectionist in film. So, in the scene where Janet comes home and speaks to Dan briefly... Uh, it's done in one long elaborate tracking shot and yes. it begins with um, she goes up the stairs and the camera goes up and then the crew had to take the door off the frame real fast mm-hmm. and so then get the, 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 the camera goes into the house and into the living room yeah and then watches her go, like yeah when she's going on and on and on yeah. about where she wears her cape her beautiful purple cape yeah <laughs> Uh, all right. We have definitely dissected this movie. It's a fun watch. If you haven't watched it, you now know all the endings. So why would you bother? But honestly, it's a good, it's a good watch. Um, let me ask you a question. Mm. What was the worst scene in this movie? Do you think? The eyeball? No, I mean, I can, I just, well, yeah. Um. What if I told you, Cindy, that the drunk fisherman scene? Yeah. And, and the doctor getting the acid? Yeah. Those weren't filmed by Gary Sherman. Okay, Those were filmed yeah. After the movie was done, because they yeah. wanted to up the gore. Okay, I see that. Like it didn't make sense why they were killed. I just assumed they had been from the beginning. So when they showed um, them die, it was just like, well, there, there was no real reason for it. Yeah. That makes sense, that, and it was kind of shoehorned in. That's why it feels a shoehorned in and b that eyeball scene is super upsetting because it seems so real. Yeah. And then the acid scene, you're like, that doesn't look real at all. Not at all. Because they just had to get the next effects team they could get, and they weren't Stan Winston, so... Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So, did you like this movie? I did. I did like this movie. I don't think... uh, We watched it with the 75-year-old who liked it, we did not. I don't think the the kids would like it either. Eleven or or fifteen for different reasons. For different reasons, but I don't think they would like it. What are we doing next week? So, I'm really excited to say the words we're about to say. Uh oh. We are gonna watch 1991's Warlock, a VHS staple. <laughs> I remember Warlock. seeing this cover this VHS cover a million times as I walked around the horror section in video view in New Martinsville, West Virginia. Uh, video, fuck yeah. Warlock. So. Yeah. Okay. Warlock. Yeah. Let's do it. Well, that's next week, guys. So, uh, join us. Uh, until then. I'm Josh. And I'm Cindy. And I'm still his girlfriend. <laughs> fuck yeah, Warlock.